Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus, and today we're going to do something a little different. It's Friday, it's October the 21st, and I thought, why not? Let's do a free-for-all Friday, but rather than having a whole bunch of topics, I'm going to clue you in on something that was instrumental in getting me from the awkward stage of pre-teenage life to being the middle-aged man that I am now. So, I'm going to just say it was music for my soul. If you will, one band that made a difference. Now, everybody has their thing, right? Everybody has Something in their life that got them from point A to point B. Whether it's a person, whether it's a thing. There's always at least one thing. Some people have several. Um, I'm setting aside other things that are, quite frankly, probably more serious or more um, instrumental in the grand scheme. But I'm going to talk about... The uh, the band that made the biggest impact. And let me lay the groundwork. Probably was 1984, 1985. And at that point in time, we really didn't listen to the radio. Unless, of course, it was the oldies channel. And quite frankly, I didn't know what I was missing. Uh you know, 10 years later, when I stumbled upon all the 80s music, I was more than a little sad that I missed it first go-round. But by about 87, the restriction had been lifted. And by the time it was uh, 88 or 89, well, now I'm a quasi-adult and I was pretty much doing what I wanted uh, as far as listening to what I wanted to. And I don't hold any grudge because quite frankly that was a long time ago and I'm really past it now and kind of made up for lost time but I stumbled across courtesy of my neighbor who happened to have two cassette tapes and I borrowed them and ended up keeping them for a very very long time and quite frankly I'm surprised that he didn't get really upset with me now that I look back at uh, the first one was called not of this world And the other one was Beat the System. And I listened to those tapes a lot back in the day. And what was interesting is my mother, particularly, and my church more so, were very questioning of Christian rock and Christian bands in general. And they really went to some lengths to discredit them, not so much my mother, but my church. And they, they put a lot of things into question. You know, what, what is it? And, you know, I am not exactly what you'd call a mental slouch. In fact, uh, pretty much everything I ever tested, I'm on the top third, but being the, that's not about me, it's just the situation. I paid attention and I really couldn't find anything being sung about that was outside of the realm of orthodoxy. And I know there's a couple of different, you know, views on things, but it's considered orthodoxy, right? 
and I really never found anything. As a matter of fact, the vast majority of the songs were based on several scripture verses or sections of scripture, and they echoed, if not borrowed quite liberally from that scripture. So it's really hard to convince me as a young man that there's something wrong here. Oh, and I heard it all. I mean, oh, it's the beat. You know, the beat, well, it'll just, it'll it'll overtake you and it'll take your mind places it shouldn't be. Oh, man, I'm your hormonal young boy. That's already happening. Uh, well, you know, the, the volume, the, the tempo, uh, they would find anything and everything. And it wasn't just my church. It was just a whole thing that was going on and it was terrible. So, Somewhere along the lines there, uh, the band had to switch lead singers. Ironically, this happened about the same time that uh, David Lee Roth <laughs> left Van Halen. But uh, again, I barely was aware of this because, again, I didn't really listen to that music at that time. So they brought in another guy and I would vaguely familiar with who he was. But much later on in life, I came to appreciate just what a life the guy had lived and where he'd come from and how he got to be the lead singer of my favorite band. So the big day for me in my uh, life, uh, as far as my favorite, most exciting concert I ever went to, um, took place at the Oriental Theater in Milwaukee. And I don't even know if it's still there because this is all the way back in 1986. And this band had a massive lineup of players. This is also about the same time they had something called Monsters of Rock that was going around. So this is not even close to being the same thing, but they had a solid lineup. I remember uh, Jeff Moore in the distance were there. Margaret Becker were there and Degarmo and Key. Now, at that time, it was rare for DeGarmo and Key to open up for anybody. But, you know, then you had Petra. That's the band, in case you don't know me well enough to know that. They were the headliner. They were the act. And they launched into their Beat This, or I'm sorry, Back to the Street um, album at the time. And, you know, basically introduced the world to John Schlitt as a newly minted Christian man and strong believer and one heck of a singer. And from that point forward, any time that I could, I went to go see them. Now, unfortunately, because of the peculiarity of living in Milwaukee in the 80s and the 90s, they didn't come very often. In fact, I saw them more when I moved to Dallas than I did when I was in the Milwaukee area. I did get a chance to uh, go to uh, a concert they did. I want to say it was for On Fire. It might have been This Means War. They were kind of back-to-back, if you will. Um And they had Josh McDowell with them. Talk about a guy that will do anything to get in front of an audience. I got to applaud that guy. Um, But so that was at the old Eagles club also in Milwaukee. So those are the two biggest, coolest concerts I ever went to as a young person. 
Now, I got to see uh, Petra down at the door in Dallas, and then I went up to Sherman to see him. And then I went to, I want to say it was Irving Bible uh, in the at their farewell tour. So I, I got to see him three times in Dallas. <laughs> but the thing is, is every album that came out was just a little bit different, a little unique, always had what I would consider uplifting music, but some good, you know, rocky stuff to go along with it. And you kind of get your juices flowing, but the theology and the words were dead on all the time. And, and the irony is, is that there are many times where I'm sitting in a church service and whatever's being talked about. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's a Petra song. Or, oh yeah. That's re- That's referenced in this song or this album, you know, so that's really stuck with me. And it's funny because my family knows this and they kind of give me a hard time about it. And certainly my uh, best friend at the time and often question me, don't you listen to anything else? My response always was, well, you know what you like. You just stick with what you like. And, you know, and of course my poor daughters, they listen to more than their fair share. Um, so then we go all the way up to 2003 and they launched their, I guess, final album of the time, Jekyll and Hyde. And, you know, that was the, the rocker, right? It's their final album together as the band as we knew it. And, you know, they had a really good run. I think at the time, technically that would have been 30 years of the band being together, 31, 32 years. And they're on their 50th anniversary tour this year. We're talking about making you feel old. But uh, the the song that I didn't really think much of at the time, but now that, you know, I've had, you know, you see everything that's gone on, you know, nearly 20 years later, it's Perfect World. I mean, I, I've referenced it before in this, uh, you know, in various uh, podcast episodes, but just basically talking about the idea that man is foolish enough to think that they have a better idea. And I mean, their, their disc, discography, what is it? Discography is pretty impressive. I mean, I, I think I've owned every single one of their original studio uh, albums or tapes or whatever. And it it's, always my go-to when I get a little down, I feel like, you know, the world's just kind of getting the best of me today and I pop that in and I'm just, you know, it puts me in the right place. <laughs> yeah, this is funny. So I was referencing back to No Doubt, which I want to say it was mid-90s when that came out and their opening song is Enter In and basically just talking about the idea that, you know, once the crucifixion occurred, the temple veil's torn, and now we don't need the priest to intervene for us or intercede for us. We can go directly to God. Well, on that same hell, when I'm talking about it, I forgot one of the songs is called The Right Place, right? So, in, in a, the, one of the refrains is, you are in the right place. So, you know, I would listen to this music, and it would, quite frankly, put me in the right place. And I'm, what I would say, a fairly animated guy when I'm on. And when I'm off, I'm can be unpleasant according to my family. Uh, 
so there's a struggle there, right? You you want to keep yourself in the right mood, in the right place, if you will, but you can't do it in a false way. You can't play the facade. I, I think the term is front, right? <laughs> you you can't front forever. You have to be who you are, and I try and do that in every episode. I try and be just me, but turned up because it's a show and. You don't want to listen to the boring Professor Steven. You want to listen to the animated, refreshing Steven. The guy that can reference a song, a uh, middle e- medieval saying, a uh, current event, and something from the uh, Founding Fathers. I mean, when you're in the process of doing a show and you get these different things, and i got to be honest, pretty much every show, I come up with a title... And I may have the title at 9 a.m. in the morning, but I come up with a title and I put in a few bullet points of these things I want to attack, you know, I, I want to hit. And it's largely off the cuff. I mean, Michael Savage, when I listened to him back in the day, he was really, really good at that. And he would go off on tangents like nobody's business. But he had a three hour show to do pretty much whatever he wanted. Of course, he had 20 minutes worth of commercial breaks in his every hour. So uh, he could catch his breath and he could collect his thoughts and, you know, redirect if necessary. I try and stay within 25 to 35 minutes on every episode that I do of this. The reason being is one, I want to be respectful of your time Two, the average time that somebody spends in a car from home to work is less than an hour. And if you're like me and you listen to podcasts or books or anything like that in one and a half speed or double speed, Really, I'm done in 15 to 20 minutes, and that gives you time to do other stuff. So if you want to listen to your music on the way to work or on your way home, you want to calm down, or if you just want to say, oh, what's going on? Hey, I'm there, and you can bust out one of my episodes in 15 to 20 minutes. So the reason why I'm doing this is I want to be a little lighthearted. We, we had some heavy stuff this week. It is challenging not to look the world around you and see War, rumors of greater war, people selling us out at the national level and quite frankly at the state level, religious leaders not being good Christians. You've got all these different things going on and our economy is not a good place and, you know, inflation's crazy and we're worried about food supplies for next year. And I mean, so you can listen to all this stuff and it could just beat you down. It can wear you out. And you need to know about these things. You need to be paying attention to what's going on in the world around you. But that's not really the point of my show. My The point of my show is to reference what's going on or a philosophy and bring it back to a local idea. And while you may not be in McKinney, Texas, or even Collin County, Pretty much everything I speak to or about has a direct corollary in your neck of the woods, right? Whether you're in my old hometown of uh, Milwaukee, whether you're out west somewhere in Idaho or California, or whether you're stuck on the east coast, whether it's uh, up in Massachusetts or down in South Carolina, You all have your local issues. You all have things that go on that are very relatable to the things that we do and deal with here in Collin County, Texas. And 
So if I'm talking about the local struggles here, whether it's local government, uh, city, or uh, school board, and I tell you this is what we're doing, this is how we're trying to engage, this is how we're trying to make a difference, you can relate to that. You can apply some of those very same things. And the book that I've started last night was, you know, Rules for Radicals. And I got to tell you, I'd much rather go back and read another novel, something to check out of what's going on in the world around me. But I know that if I can hammer through the rules for radicals in you know, the next four, five, six days, and I do a, a follow-up episode or two about, this is what is talked about in the book. This is how it's applicable to what's going on right now in front of you. And this is some of the things that can be done to counteract it. That's far more useful, far more beneficial to my listening audience than me to go on and on about, whoa, this, whoa, that. I mean, if you want that, and I don't mean any disrespect, but if you want that, you've got Glenn Beck. And, and I got to tell you, if there is a radio show that's on the air right now that is the premier radio show, it is Glenn Beck. But, man, every time I put that on, it's just, <laughs> this is wrong, that's wrong, oh, and he's not wrong. He's telling you the truth, or at least the truth as he understands it. And you got to pay attention and you got to figure out what you're going to do. But if you get that all day, every day, it's like the old phrase, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Well, Steven becomes beaten down if he spends way too much time listening to that stuff. So I have to be really careful and balance it out. So, you know, I've always talked about the idea. I've got my three go-to podcasts, right? So I've got uh, Tom Woods. If you haven't listened to any of Tom Woods' shows, you should. They're really good. Um, and he usually has an interview guest, and he talks about libertarian issues, both political and economic, and how freedom and liberty actually make things better. Hey, I'm right there with him. I kind of think of myself as the voice of liberty for Cowley County. But he's not here. He's in Florida. And then there is uh, the corollary to that. Chris Ann Hall, who is the preeminent constitutional speaker. Uh, her show count has dropped dramatically as of late because she's got so many other things going on in her world. But she's got like 2,000 episodes Go pick something up. You want to learn about the history of the Constitution or different things from primary sources? Chris Ann Hall is your person, the go-to person. And her husband, man, he cuts up. He's a great uh, former pastor, but he knows his stuff too. And they put on a really good quality show, and you should check it out. If, if you want to get a different thought or a different view of what's going on in the constitutional application of of what's going on in the world around you. So you have the uh, Tom Woods show, which is gives you more of a hypothetical real word, real world liberty application. Then you have Chris Ann Hall on the other hand, which is the constitutional legal ramifications with an eye towards how do we protect liberty and what does the constitution have to say about that? And then there's my, my new favorite, the, the third one, if you will, Brian McClanahan. Now, the guy is a whiz with history and he kind of specialized in, uh, you know, American history. Uh, but he talks about how everything can be approached locally 
And there are all these big issues and all these things that have happened, but they go local and there's a local application. So I got to be honest. Sometimes I take ideas from his show and I've mentioned it. And I give credit where credit is due. On occasion, I'll hear something at Chris Ann Hole show and I'll riff off of it. And Tom, Tom Woods to a lesser extent, because quite frankly, a lot of his stuff isn't directly locally uh, orientated, but it's a bigger idea. So sometimes I take some inspiration from those shows, but those are my three go-to shows. And, and Brian McClanahan really have begun to appreciate what he brings to four. And the idea that he's, <laughs> that he gives a fair shake <laughs> to the Confederate States in the civil war is just like an unheard of thing right now. And again, Defers to the Constitution, defers to what did they really mean, the original writings, and what does it mean for us now, and how can we maybe make it better? And these are the three people that I listen to and I look to get inspired and stay positive because you can't always be negative. So even listening to them, <laughs> sometimes you just get in that space. It's like, man, there's just so many bad things. There's so many challenges in the day's world yeah that's where you jump back in and for me at least i put on my petra and i listen to something i'm like oh that's so nice you know it's just uh it's it's inspiring and it's like a little i mean you listen to album and it's like you've gotten uh half a dozen to a dozen mini sermons thrown at you to think about and the irony is if you don't listen, you don't know that. You just sing, oh, another Christian rock band, whatever. I mean, but if you look at what's gone on in the last 20 years, we've had plenty of good bands that have come out of the era of the 80s and the 90s. And now we've got a bunch of fluff. There's really nothing there. They have nothing to say, nothing to add. It, it's just, it's sad. So, one of the earliest albums uh, was Washes Whiter Than. It's actually, I think it's the second album. The first one was self-titled. And the some of the songs are, Why Should the bo Father Why Should the Father Bother, right? I mean, just Yahweh Love. And then the coloring song. And then you jump over into Never Say Die. And you've got Chameleon. If you haven't ever heard that song, you need to go look it up. That explains a lot of what we see every day. Angel of Light. It is about who you think it's about. Killing My Old Man. Now, the first time my wife heard that song, she was like freaked out. What are you talking about? And then she listened to the words. And there's other stuff on here. And then the idea is this kind of reorientates you and... I hate to say it, but it almost centers you back to what am I going to be focused on? Who am I working for? What am I doing? And it allows you to do a much better job going forward. So with this Friday kicking off into the weekend, all I can say is <sighs> this was the music for my soul. Hopefully you have something that is music for your soul. And that's basically the story of the one band that made a difference. And yeah, I glossed over all the tough times, the gray times, the, the dark quote unquote days in my uh, 
late youth, I never really went off the rails. I, I really didn't. And I, some of it I would credit to upbringing and willpower. I don't know. But a lot of it I would say getting refreshed with little mini sermons and having a whole bunch of people praying for me probably kept me out of a whole lot of worse trouble. And I wish that for everybody, for every generation. Have people praying for you. Find music for your soul. Get refreshed. Keep your mind straight. And remember who we're all working for. It's the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And someday we're all going to kneel before him and confess it. And until that time, (laughs) I will see you on Monday. So I hope you enjoyed my little deviation on episode 288. Uh, Have a great weekend. And until then, I will see you on the other side.